Welcome to All Vampires Are Gay, a serialized narrative podcast created by Corbin Rosewood. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all major podcasting platforms. If you like the show, please consider supporting our work. All Vampires Are Gay is made possible because of listeners like you. You can help out by becoming a patron, shopping our merch, and of course, telling your friends about the show. You can find all the ways to support us and more at our website, CorbinRosewood.com. Now on with the show. Season 2, Episode 3, Afternoon in Camden. Welcome, I'm Corbin Rosewood, and tonight we return to a windy afternoon in London with Victor and Robert heading to Camden Market to get some new clothes and maybe a chance at a new relationship. Scene, Camden Market. The sun was peeking out from behind the clouds when Victor and Robert set off from Beltane House to walk to Camden Market. Robert had been elated when Victor offered to come on the shopping mission with him, but now something was wrong. They walked down the cobbled London streets together, but Robert wasn't looking up. He was leaning down, almost crouching as he walked forward, his face contorted in a scowl. What's wrong with you? Victor asked as they turned the corner and the iconic Camden Lock Bridge came into view. It's the sun! It hurts so much! How do you deal with it? Robert groaned. It's awful! It's like a million tiny needles stabbing into my skin and my eyes hurt so bad. Didn't you have to deal with the sun back in Blackwood City? Victor asked. Robert shook his head, squinting. No, Liren gave me the Crimson Borealis tea right after I was turned. When I was taking that, it was almost like being human again. I've barely experienced being a vampire at all. Hmm, Victor said, thinking about this and what Samson had told him about Robert's hijinks last night. He smiled a little. He was starting to understand this new Robert, and he had a good feeling about him. I think I can help you, Victor said. He spotted a vintage clothing store nearby and pulled Robert towards it. Come on, this way. Robert followed without looking up. When they entered the cool, dimly lit store, he sighed with relief and opened his eyes again. Thank goodness, he said. Victor looked around the store briefly and then spotted what he was after. He pulled down a pair of black 70s style sunglasses and handed them to Robert. First of all, put these on he said. Robert did as he was told, and immediately his shoulders relaxed. I feel better. Why do I feel better? Because your eyes don't respond to light the same way as human eyes. In fact, let's buy you a whole bunch of them, Victor said, pulling seven or eight pairs of sunglasses off the display. These are your best friend. Never leave home without them. Robert nodded. Okay, thank you. I'm convinced. I feel so much better. But what about my skin? When I'm in the sun, I feel like I'm burning up from the inside out. Like I'm being microwaved. 
Victor laughed at this description. <laughs> I've never heard it put quite like that. But yes, the sun is awful. There's a reason you'll find lots of vampires in cold, rainy places like Blackwood City, London, or Scotland. There are things you can do to improve the situation, but overall it just makes life easier if you don't have to think about it because it's raining or nighttime. Robert was nodding. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So try to avoid going out in the sun, but sometimes you still need to go out, right? You didn't seem upset by the sun at all just now. Victor tapped his lips, trying to think. Teaching people wasn't really something he normally did, so it took some effort. I'll try my best to explain what I do, he said. Robert looked at him eagerly and gratefully. Thank you so much, he said. Victor waved this off. Don't thank me till it works. What I mostly do is concentrate. Most vampire abilities are controlled by concentration and focus. So if you want to hear better, you focus really hard on what you can hear, trying not to think about anything else, just putting all your thoughts and energy on listening. Let's try it. I'm game, Robert said. Victor looked across the store to where a couple of employees, a shaggy-haired young man and a woman with spiky blonde hair, were pretending to hang up clothing. In reality, they were mostly staring at Victor and Robert. Victor wondered if they might be spies for Liren or someone else. See those employees on the other side of the store? Try to hear what they're saying, Victor said. But the music is so loud, Robert said, frowning. I can barely hear you. Even so, I think you can do it, Victor said calmly. Just try it. Focus on them and think about the sound of them talking. Robert narrowed his eyes and bent his head, listening and focusing in on the sound of the employees chattering. Try to imagine yourself moving across the store, Victor said, guiding him. What could you hear if you walked over to the counter and stood right next to them? Robert nodded his head, but didn't say anything. He just kept concentrating. Then suddenly, he whipped his head up with a wild grin. Oh my God, I heard it, he said, then immediately frowned. It's gone again. I can't hear them anymore. That's okay. You have to stay concentrating on it for it to keep working. You'll get better with practice, Victor said. So what were they saying? Robert grinned. <laughs> they were talking about you. Victor tensed up, glancing at the employees. Were they now? Yeah, Robert said with a laugh. They were, um, <laughs> debating how good you would be in bed. I think they both wanted to sleep with you. Victor laughed and relaxed a little. Well, at least they're not Liren's spies trying to kill us. All right, back to business. Just like your eyes, vampire skin does not respond to the sun like humans do. So you need to put up a mental barrier. Imagine yourself forming a protective shell around your skin. I like to picture it like invisible clothing or the shell of an egg. Picture the sun rays bouncing off of it and turning away from you. Once you have that firmly in your mind, try putting your arm out the door in the sunshine. Just one arm so you don't get overwhelmed. Robert looked nervous, but did as he was told sticking one arm out of the open shop door until his hand and wrist were in the bright sunshine. He winced at the pain, 
but tried to do as Victor had said, imagining himself with a shield on his hand to protect it from the sun. After a moment, his eyes went wide. It worked! I don't feel as much pain! He pulled his hand inside and looked at it in wonder. I still felt some pain, but it was so much better, he said. You'll get better at it, but it never fully goes away, Victor admitted. I just try to be nocturnal when I can. It's so much easier. Come on, let's buy some clothes. Robert agreed and followed Victor further into the store, picking up various items as he went. Victor perused the racks for clothing he thought Robert might like. He picked out a soft, faded, vintage t-shirt with a moon and clouds on it. How about this? He asked. Robert looked up from the leather boots he was examining. Mm, it's not really my style. I'm more of a flowy, silky blouse kind of guy. Or a poet shirt, that kind of thing. Victor nodded and put the shirt back. Cool. I didn't know if that was you or... He trailed off. Robert fixed him with his trademark inquisitive gaze. Are you going to finish your sentence? He said. I guess I didn't know if that was the other Robert. You know, the person you pretended to be. For me or Lyran or whatever, Victor said. Robert sighed. There is no other Robert. I mean, there sort of is. I don't know. It's true. I was a fake DJ and a fake human, but I was a real boyfriend, if that makes sense. I was genuine in most things I told you about myself. Most things? Victor asked. He held up an oversized silk shirt with a floral print on it that Robert grabbed from his hands quickly. Yeah, I was honest about most things. I like music and dancing and fashion and you, but I don't like pickles. Victor laughed. <laughs> I'm sorry? Yeah, I think they're weird. Robert shrugged. But the rest of it was true, and I did like DJing too. I loved it, actually. I wish I really was a DJ. You're very good for a pretend DJ. I never would have known, Victor said. Robert beamed with pride. You really think so? You're not just saying that. I'm not. You're an excellent DJ. I guess that's why your lies worked so well. They were mostly true. Victor reflected on this idea for the next hour as Robert went around the shop, trying on different styles and picking out new clothes. Leather jackets, silky blouses, Chelsea boots, and a faux fur coat. Robert was picking out all the same style of clothing he'd had before, and Victor started to realize he just wasn't that different. More scared, less confident, but also more sincere and kind. He even found himself wondering if he might like the new Robert better than the old one. Eventually, they made their way up to the counter with a giant pile of clothing. The two employees Robert had eavesdropped on were hanging clothes on a rack nearby and whispering, glancing back at them nervously. Robert paid for the clothes and grabbed the shopping bags as Victor glanced at the employees suspiciously. Finally, as Victor and Robert began walking toward the exit, the two employees made their move, darting up towards Victor and blocking him from leaving. Victor tensed for an attack, preparing to grab the knife he had hidden in his coat, but he needn't have worried. We couldn't help noticing you and your friend, the young man said bravely. 
And I don't know what kind of people you're interested in, but um, here you go. He handed Victor two crumpled up pieces of paper with phone numbers on them. The one on the blue paper is mine, the spiky haired girl said hopefully. Victor looked at the bits of paper and smiled, relief washing over him. Thank you both, but I'm afraid I'm not on the market, Victor said, sliding his hand into Robert's and giving it a squeeze. He started to walk out, then turned around and lowered his sunglasses, looking at the employees with a truly devilish stare. But just so you know, I'm everything you would have hoped for, and more, he said. They left the store, the sun had gone, and a light rain returned to the busy London streets, so they were able to walk freely through the market without Robert feeling pain. That was nice to hear you say, Robert said once they were back on the street. I didn't know where we stood after everything, last night and all. Victor stopped walking and pulled Robert close to look at him. I didn't know either, he admitted. I just have so much rage and hurt and I don't really know what to do with it at the moment, but I'm trying. I want to try. I think it's worth it but I need you to stop lying to me and sneaking around, even if you think it's not a big deal. I want total honesty. If you're worried about something, I need you to tell me instead of sneaking off into the night. Does that work for you? Robert nodded. Absolutely, he said with a grin. Victor kissed him softly and resumed walking. A few moments later, Robert said, okay, I'm worried about something. Victor laughed. Well, that didn't take long. What is it? Money, Robert said. What? Victor was utterly confused. Money? How am I ever going to pay Samson back? I just bought an entire wardrobe and I don't even have a job. Who cares? You're a vampire. You don't need a job, Victor said. How do you make money? Robert asked. It doesn't matter, Victor said. Of course it does. Why be mysterious? I mean, money doesn't matter, Victor said. How can you say that, Robert asked. I've been broke my whole life, and it's a huge part of, well, everything. My opportunities and experiences have been entirely shaped by money, or rather my lack of it. It's a huge part of my life. Trust me, Robert, money isn't important at all, Victor said. Spoken like someone who has it, Robert replied. Victor shrugged. I suppose, but really I think it's a matter of perspective. You're still living in the human worldview. Money was a huge part of your life. It isn't now. Expand your ideas about the world and you'll quickly see how irrelevant money is. Can you elaborate? Robert asked. How do vampires make money? Any way you want. Think about it. You have supernatural abilities and powers. There are hundreds of jobs where you would quickly be the best employee they ever had because you can outpace a human any day. Not to mention you are very hard to kill or even harm. 
There are a lot of people who will pay for that kind of thing. Like governments? Mercenaries? Those are just some. There are many others. Science, technology, even a construction site could benefit from someone like you. You can see better, hear better, move better. Those could all be useful in the arts or most anywhere. There's also the supernatural world. Many supernatural people will hire you if you like. You have access to a whole world of magic and possibilities. It has its own problems and its own currencies. Money is rarely a very valuable one. You still haven't told me how you make money though, Robert said stubbornly. You never stop, Victor said with a laugh. I don't really think much about it, but uh, I guess really I've done all kinds of things. I've had plenty of jobs over the years, but mostly for fun. I usually get bored rather quickly. Mostly I let my lifestyle be a benefit to me, I suppose. I usually just sell something old when I need some cash. I have antiques lying around, many of them gifts from uh, past adventures. Your ex-lovers? Robert asked. Yes, and friends, Victor said. Speaking of which, we're at the market, and you've got to meet my old friend Jimmy. You'll love him. He loves music even more than you do. Victor pulled Robert forward through the narrow stalls of vendors selling sunglasses, tapestries, and sneakers. He wove through the booths with the confidence of someone who had made this walk a hundred times before, marching up to the last booth on the end of the aisle, and then he stopped cold. His face turned dark, and he dropped Robert's hand. What is it? Robert asked. He, he's... he's not here, Victor said, staring at the stall directly in front of them, which seemed to mostly sell phone chargers. Hold on, let me ask. Victor walked into the booth and talked to the employee for a moment, before coming back out, looking like he'd seen a ghost. What's going on? He's... died, Victor said with a gulp. About ten years ago, apparently. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, Robert said, pulling Victor into a hug. They separated after a moment, and Robert asked, Who was he? Uh, he was just... A friend? I guess an acquaintance? I don't know, Victor sighed. I used to buy cassettes and videos from him in the 80s. He had all the best bootlegs of the new wave bands. We'd just hang out and talk about music and smoke cigarettes for ages. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of guy, Robert said. Definitely. He was a great guy, Victor said sadly as they walked away melting into the flow of the market again. I can't believe it's been so long. I didn't even notice. They walked in silence through the stalls for a long time, Victor looking distant and melancholy. Robert left him to his grief and didn't say anything. He stopped every now and then to buy clothing and trinkets in the stalls, while Victor smoked and looked around aimlessly. Finally, he seemed to rouse himself from his emotions. Sorry about that, he said. I just wasn't expecting that news today, but I don't want to ruin our adventure. No, don't worry. I totally understand, Robert said. Do you miss it? Like living in the 70s and 80s and stuff? Do you wish you could go back? Victor thought about this for a while as they walked. Eventually, he said, 
I miss it sometimes, but I don't want to go back. Truthfully, I miss lots of things from different times. I'm used to it. For example, I miss how everyone used to dress up all the time in fabulous outfits just to go to work or something. I miss how every new invention used to feel incredible and exciting. I miss certain people or events or trends. But I always try to live in the moment and enjoy what is beautiful about the time that I'm in. Even now? You don't think it's the worst time to be alive? Everyone glued to their phones and doom-scrolling away their lives? Robert asked. Victor shook his head. No, I'm sure that will pass like any other fad. Technology can be terrible, but it can also be amazing. Yes, you can doom-scroll all day, but you can also watch a live video of someone walking up a mountain in Japan right now. You can hear almost any song that's ever been written instantly with no effort. That's incredible. Jimmy probably would have loved that, Robert said. Victor smiled. Absolutely. But Jimmy was human, so I always knew this would happen. It's just part of being a vampire. Loneliness is one of the downsides. Seems like there are a lot of downsides, Robert said, remembering the pain of the sun. Why do you always talk about it like it's so great? Because it is. Vampires are fantastic, Victor said firmly. Hmm, you watch all your human friends die, the sunlight hurts like hell, and a lot of powerful people seem to want to kill you. It doesn't sound great. Fine, you want to see what's so great about being a vampire. Come with me, Victor said, giving him a devilish grin and pulling Robert into a nearby alleyway. He checked the area was empty, then he quickly pulled Robert into a kiss, leaning against an old brick wall. I don't know what this has to do with being a vampire, but I'm not complaining, Robert said when they broke apart. Victor flipped his hair out of his eyes and grinned. It has nothing to do with being a vampire. I just missed kissing you. Anyway, let's get on to the lesson. Victor leaned their shopping bags against the wall and moved into the middle of the alleyway, looking around at the nearby buildings. They were mostly older brick apartments that were about three or four stories tall, which was perfect for his demonstration. He took in the various possible footholds and connection points along the walls. Two fire escapes, a balcony on the third floor in the back, and various window ledges. This would be easy. I'm going to show you how to jump to the roof of that building from here, he said pointing to a four-story roof at the end of the alleyway. Robert raised his eyebrows. Really? I don't know. I couldn't get anywhere when I tried last night. You can do it. Don't worry, Victor said. What you lacked was focus and concentration and the knowledge of how to move properly. It's all about perception. If you just think, oh, I want to jump on that building, it's not going to work. Your legs won't just deliver you there like rockets or something. You need to plan it out and concentrate on exactly what you want your body to do. You need to direct it. I don't understand, Robert said. Can you give me more specific instructions like you did earlier? Victor nodded. Of course. 
To get to that fourth story building at the end of the alley, I will need to jump multiple times to different things until I get there. So first, I will plan out my route. That fire escape, then the window ledge, then across the alley to that balcony, then the second fire escape, then jump to the fourth story ledge and onto the roof. Robert looked nervous. What if I fall? That window ledge looks tiny. Don't worry. We've got plenty of ways to heal you quickly if you fall, Victor said. And more importantly, you won't. Not if you concentrate. Concentration is everything. Okay, how do I do that? First, you want to direct all of your thoughts and energy towards your legs and arms. Jumping isn't just in your legs. You need to think about your arms too. Don't forget that bit or you'll get off balanced when you try to land on the window ledge. Anyway, put all your thoughts into your body and the motion, the action. Imagine yourself leaping there, what it would feel like, what the motions and sequence of events to get there is. Then just do it. Just do it? That's it? Robert looked skeptical. Sure, watch me. Victor turned and barely paused to gather himself before he leapt up to the fire escape. He got his balance, then turned to the window ledge, then made a wide leap all the way across the alleyway to land gracefully on the balcony with a sweep of his long peacoat. At last, he jumped to the second fire escape and quickly onto the rooftop. He turned around with a flourish and waved at Robert. Your turn, he shouted. Robert looked unhappy but he tried to follow the route Victor had taken with his eyes. He swayed from foot to foot as he assessed the alleyway and the possibilities before him. He frowned, but closed his eyes anyway, putting his fears aside and trying to find his inner vampire. Listening to his body, his muscles, bones and ligaments, getting in tune with his jump. He opened his eyes and ran forward a few paces before leaping onto the nearby fire escape with his arms flailing. Victor whistled his encouragement from the rooftop. Robert took a deep breath and leapt again, aiming for the window ledge. But just as Victor had warned him not to do, he had forgotten about his arms. His legs landed on the small strip of building, but his arms windmilled around him and he lost his balance. With a shriek of alarm, he fell off the window ledge, his hands grappling to try to hold on. Robert fell quickly and landed with a thud on the hard pavement below. Victor leapt down from the rooftop and rushed to his side, leaning over Robert as he lay on the ground. Are you okay? Victor asked, taking his hand gently. Ugh, Robert said, groaning as he sat up, supporting himself on one arm. My back feels awful. Do you think I broke something? Victor looked up at the window ledge. From that height, probably not. But I think we'd better get you back to Beltane House for some of Jin's healing tea. Victor carefully helped Robert up, supporting him with one hand while he stood. Robert winced in pain. I think I twisted my ankle too, he said miserably. I'm a terrible vampire. Nonsense, darling. I'm sure you'll get the hang of it in no time, Victor said, as he helped Robert limp out of the alleyway. But as they walked home in the darkening evening, Victor found himself wondering just how dangerous it was to bring Robert with them to Highgate, or anywhere. 
Although he was less fragile now that he was technically a vampire, he was still mostly human. And that was a very dangerous thing to be in Victor's world. Scene. Beltane House. Evening. A few hours later, they were relaxing comfortably on the overstuffed couches in the living room at Beltane House. Robert had consumed a magical tea and was mostly recovered from his fall, although he still had one leg up on a stack of pillows with an ice pack on it. Victor had built a fire in the old brick hearth and was now sitting by the window in the corner, having a cigarette and blowing the smoke out through a crack in the window so Samson and Jin wouldn't get mad at him for smoking in the house. The rain outside was stronger now. It tapped against the windows rhythmically, and Victor found himself relaxed at last. He sipped some of his favorite tea and smoked a cigarette, staring out at the cold London night while Robert read from one of the books found in the living room. Did you know vampires could walk tightropes and used to be the majority of circus performers? Robert asked suddenly looking up from his book. Hmm? Victor said, coming out of his daze and looking over at Robert. He looked more beautiful than ever by the soft, warm light of the fire, and Victor felt his heart glow at the sight of him. Vampires! They can walk tightropes! Robert exclaimed. Well, I guess that's true, Victor admitted, snuffing out his cigarette and closing the small window. But it's certainly not something we're doing all the time. He stood up and walked over to Robert, snatching the book from him. What have you been reading, my love? He asked, turning the little book over in his hands. I don't know. It's about unusual vampire histories, Robert said. I was just hoping to learn more about what I am. Hmm. Well, I don't think a circus performer is what you are, nor is it going to be very useful knowledge to you, I think. How am I supposed to learn then? Robert asked, frowning. I need to know how to do all this stuff. I don't want to be a liability. I don't want... I don't want it to be my fault if something happens to you or anyone. Victor sighed, crouching down next to Robert. He ran his hands through Robert's hair. I can take care of myself, he said. But I do appreciate the thought. You know what I mean. Robert said, frustrated. I do, and I'm sure we can help you once we get back to Blackwood City. But for now, let's leave the tales of tightrope walking vampires in the library and focus on getting through this week. Are you ready for heist planning? Jane asked, poking her head into the room. I'm just getting the snacks. She held up a tray of cheeses and vegetables. You're bringing snacks to the armory? Victor asked. Sure, why not? Jin said. We might get hungry while we're planning. Come on, Samson's already set up. With that, she turned around and headed towards the armory. Victor chuckled to himself at Jin's snack tray, but he stood up and offered Robert his hand. Robert took it and then nervously pulled his leg down off the pillows. It doesn't hurt, he said, surprised. He looked down at his ankle, which had been bruised in purple only an hour before. It looks totally normal, too. 
It is totally normal, Victor said. You're a vampire, and you had Jin's mushroom blend, which cures any small injuries. Robert walked around the room, testing his weight on the ankle and smiling in delight. This is incredible. I can't believe I'm just healed like that. I mean, I've been healed from cuts and scrapes quickly before, like last night, but this is so much more. This is amazing. Victor shrugged, but he smiled a little. I suppose it is. Now come on, we're needed in the armory. Robert nodded and followed Victor out the door. You know, Robert said, you wanted to show me what's so amazing about being a vampire, and you kind of accidentally did. They turned a corner, and Victor led the way down the old stone stairs to the armory. What do you mean? You didn't make the jump, he replied. I mean this, Robert gestured at his body. This is absolutely incredible. Victor stopped and looked him up and down. I can't disagree with that, he said with a wink. Robert blushed and smiled widely. I'm, I'm glad we're back, he said softly. Me too, Victor said, kissing him gently on the cheek. Stop kissing you two, we've got a heist to plan, Jin shouted down the hallway. It's not a heist, it's an acquisition, Samson called. So you keep telling us, Victor drawled as they walked into the armory. The room was in fact more of a basement. It had once been a wine cellar, but now the cold stone walls had cluttered shelves of weapons, potions, and magical artifacts. In the middle of the room was a dusty old carpet and a big wooden table. Samson and Jin were sitting at the table with a tray of snacks, a few laptops, and a small metal box with faintly glowing runes etched into it. Robert looked around the room taking in the messy assortments of magical things haphazardly stuffed on shelves and the dim light coming from a small lamp in the corner. No offense, but I thought this would be a lot more like the Batcave or like James Bond or something, he said. You know, a bunch of gleaming glass weapons cases and stuff. Why would it be like that? Victor asked. I don't know, isn't this like your job or something? Robert said. Not really, Victor replied. We've been around a few hundred years, so we know how to protect ourselves from a threat, but we don't participate in power games. We don't seek out fights or do espionage stuff if we don't have to. We're not some super-powered vampire organization. We just want to live our lives however we want and have fun doing it. We don't do this all the time. I do, Samson said, frowning. I spend most of my time doing this stuff. Yeah, but that's because that's what you do for fun. It's like your hobby, Victor said. Excuse me, Samson said. This is not a hobby. I save lives, Victor. Okay, okay, settle down, you two. Can we focus, please, Jin said. Victor, have a celery stick. Samson, tell us about your funky box. Samson kept glaring, but didn't say anything, as Victor took a seat at the table. Jin pushed the snack plate towards Victor, and he reluctantly took a piece of celery. Samson sighed and said, Persephone put me in touch with a trustworthy magical artifacts dealer, and today I met with her in the sewers. I'm sorry, the sewers? Robert asked. Yes. 
Anyway, she didn't have much available at the moment, but I was able to buy this from her, Samson said, holding up the cube. The box was made of old metal. It was covered in glowing runes and had a row of small gemstones set into the side near the top of the box. What is it? Victor asked. A jewel casket, Samson replied dramatically. Ooh, Jin said. She was clearly impressed. Victor rolled his eyes. Not everyone knows what that is, Samson. Can you just tell us what it does? For our purposes, the best way to think of it is a break-in-case-of-emergency button, Samson said. Oh, definitely. We really shouldn't use that if we don't have to, Jin said, nodding, and pushed the snack tray towards Robert. He took a carrot stick, but mostly just to be polite. What does it do? he asked. It calls a ghost, Samson said. When you break one of these little jewels here, it will call a ghost to you. Which ghost? Victor asked. That's where it gets a bit murky, Samson admitted. I don't really know. It just calls out to ghosts. Who or what might turn up is impossible to say, but it will certainly be interesting. Robert looked impressed. Victor looked skeptical. Is that really a good idea? He asked. It depends, Jin said. You know how ghosts are. Sometimes they're great, sometimes they're terrifying. No matter what, they're always weird. I can't even imagine how strange the ghosts we might call at Highgate Cemetery would be. Yes, but no matter what, I'm sure they'd be impressive, Samson concluded. Dangerous, unpredictable, but powerful. If things get really bad, something like this could make the difference between getting out safely or not. Well, that's not exactly inspiring a lot of confidence, Victor said. Samson glared at him again. Do you have any better plans, Victor? They asked pointedly. Victor took a bite of his celery stick dramatically and didn't say anything. In that case, Samson said, pulling up a map of London, let's look at some timing and transportation options. And so we leave our vampires to their planning, looking for a route into Highgate Cemetery, while Victor and Robert look for a way back into their relationship. You've been listening to All Vampires Are Gay. This episode was created, written, and performed by Corwin Rosewood. Produced and composed by Parker Frost. With additional production, mixing, editing, and engineering by the team at Studio Corwin. If you enjoyed this episode, consider supporting our show today so we can make more episodes in the future. You can find all the ways to support us at CorwinRosewood.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>